Welcome to another episode of the Grizzden Podcast, uh, an unexpected episode here on a Sunday night. Uh, John Kraft is joining me from the great state of Florida. John, welcome to the program. Uh, well, I guess glad to be talking to you. I don't know if it's good to be here to have to talk about what we're talking about. So, Yeah, so if you missed it, John Morant went live, or John, excuse me, this is an important detail. Devontae Pack, John Morant's friend, went live on Instagram on Saturday late afternoon. John Morant was in the passenger seat. They were listening to some music and dancing around, and Devontae basically pointed the uh, phone camera over at Ja. And it was really, really quick, but you could see Ja holding something. And upon further investigation and people recording the clip uh, or taking it from uh, Devontae's post and pausing the clip, you could see that Ja was holding a gun in the passenger seat. And, of course, that went immediately viral, um, specifically um, hitting, I feel like, a fever pitch early this morning when it got picked up by a, a bunch of different aggregators. And you could just see that image and the video being shared over and over again um, later today. Um, so late morning, Grizzlies. the Grizzlies announced that John Morant has been suspended from all team activities, pending league review. Mike Bass, a spokesperson for the NBA, then released a statement saying that the league is investigating the situation with Ja. And then really the last piece of hard news that we have, which is still just speculation, is that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Ja could be facing a quote-unquote lengthy suspension. That's where we are. And it reminds me um, in some ways of where we were just a few months ago. And then the aftermath of that was, you know, Ja sort of going on an apology tour, doing some interviews and putting his head down seemingly for the playoffs. And of course, the Grizzlies were recently eliminated and the messaging coming out of um, the exit interviews and other um you know, uh, basically from Ja was, you're not going to see me in the blogs, and it's going to be a new Ja, a new mentality. And then we have this. So, Kraft, what do you make of it? Where should we start? Oh, um, <laughs> there's so many things. Uh, I mean, I do think there are, uh, there's like separate little sort of sections, you know, one being... I think the biggest one and the one that, you know, I think should, I think, upset most Chris fans and make us nervous is his, uh, the fact that this is coming only like two weeks after exit interviews, after, like you said, saying no John, the blogs, uh, saying that, you know, it's going to be job Bane and Jaron's team now that he's there. He's a leader. Um, that sort of thing. It's going to be a quiet summer. He's going to be in the dark again, all those sorts of things. So you have that. You also then have, um, and, and I think I, you know, talk texting with people, talking with people. I think I get upset. I 
I, I also have this thing, and this might just be my personal of just um, the the out the kind of the outrage and the the viralness of uh, of what happened, you know, and does sort of the way people are reacting. Does it fit the quote crime? Even though I don't think it's a crime, but fit what happened. And I do think you know because of the internet, because of Twitter, because honestly. Like he's doing it on a Sunday morning when there's a huge game seven and you know, the NBA show needs has 30 minutes to fill. So they're going to fill it with a bunch of uh, talking heads going after jaw. You're going to have all the jokes, the memes come out. And so, but, but kind of, you know, and sort of talking about that, which I found more frustrating uh, for various reasons, but those are kind of the two things. And one is very upsetting, makes me very nervous uh, just as far as the culture of the team, how the players reacting, how the organization's reacting to Jaw, what was Jaw thinking, um, and honestly, I mean, and it might just be more what was more what was uh, Devontae Pack thinking. I don't. I mean, so you have that, but then on the other hand, you have sort of my concern with the NBA, with the media, and how I I still think it was bad, but they over you know what happened earlier was sort of overblown in reaction. You know if the NBA, which has been known to care a lot about social media, care a lot about these sort of things, uh, whether they overreact to when it comes to something like a suspension. Of course, then we can also get into like, what can the NBA really do um, with a guy in an offseason doing everything that I believe is legal in the state of Tennessee, if that's where he is. So there's all those sort of questions too. So like, those are sort of the different things going in my mind. It's like a little frustrating that people act like, Jaw did something just like it was some kind of he needs to serve capital punishment almost in some of the reactions like it's just kick him out of the league I mean there's we need to trade Jaw immediately these kind of things to then just sort of like what does this mean for the team uh you know how and and just how you know and we don't know we don't know there's been no statements from the team other than suspension so it's kind of these warring things for me I think I might be the minority and not kind of being outraged in the same way. I mean, all the sadness and outrage for me is that Jaw said he was going to do something and it seems like it's only two weeks later and he's made a very unwise decision again. Like, I don't think it's a criminal, like, so I get nervous about all this criminal thug gang, like all these, the stuff I'm hearing um, feels very overreacting. But then I also am hearing people say, you know, this, like he's let down his team, he's let down his teammates. I have so many thoughts on it, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to um, attack each one. And I feel like just to set the table and to start, Ja, back when the first incident occurred, I feel like it was a sort of shock that then translated to disappointment. And then there was just a lot of processing that had to go on. It was almost as if you had a role model that you thought could do no wrong. And then you realize or you see them doing something or you hear them say something. And then it really takes you aback and you realize they're human. And I know that that happens, especially when you're like a kid with like a famous person that you might meet. And it's just you it might not be exactly this picture perfect scenario and again, they might not be doing anything "quote unquote" illegal or "quote unquote" wrong. Right. They just might be rude, or they may might have just not paid any attention to you. Whatever it is, there's a right. human humanizing um, event that occurs with somebody like that. Yeah. So, 
when it happens again, there's a different reaction. And that's where I felt myself when I saw it this morning. I think that Ja has turned from a disappointment into a punchline in a real way. And I, I feel almost a sense of laughter when I saw this, like this guy cannot be serious. And I think it's really important with all that said to really take this from different perspectives because there's a difference to me in the reality of the situation, which is John Morant just is being dumb. He is, I don't believe at least at this moment that John Morant is a bad person. I think that he is a very dumb person right now and is making young, dumb decisions flat out because it doesn't make sense at all to do this from a um, from just a context perspective of where you are. Um, I, I, I'm sure that these guys have to hate just the PR and feel like they can't be themselves all the time, mm-hmm. especially in an organization like the Grizzlies, which likes to keep things really under wraps and likes to basically have one message going out no matter what it is. It can be the smallest thing. But then these guys in the offseason finally get to express who they are. I think we can't ignore the medium by which it was published. In both of these instances, if anything, I'm the most frustrated that Instagram Live was the medium because... Instagram Live is what it sounds like it is. It is a live stream of what's going on right now. There is no editing that can happen. There is no decision that can be made to post something that has been recorded or not to post something. And it is an open source. Anyone can join this Instagram Live if you're not, you don't don't have like a protected account or something, which I'm pretty sure Devontae Pack does not. Um, so it's just a lot of stuff going on that to me just culminates in this in this just terrible decision that yeah. is just ignorant. I think though, I mean, with all that said, this is not illegal. Like that is a really important distinction to make at, that we know of. We don't know what this gun who, you know, we assume it belongs maybe to Ja, we don't know. There are laws that dictate whether or not Carrying is legal depending on who you are and depending on if a firearm is... I don't know if you have to have it even registered in, in the state. I don't, I'm not well-versed in that at all. But this, to me, there's, there's multiple Venn diagrams here. There's jaw yeah. as a person, and that's one worry. There's jaw with the NBA and the Grizzlies, and then there's jaw, and maybe we can even touch on this. This, to me, is the most intriguing aspect Ja's a business person and his relationship with Nike and what he's put at stake. Obviously, Nike has a relationship with a bunch of athletes that have other issues, big issues that sometimes went into the legal realm. And in many cases, they've stuck with with these athletes. And I'm very, very intrigued by what Nike is going to to do. I mean, Darren Ravel had a tweet that he expects Nike to maybe renounce pausing their relationship on Monday. We're recording this Sunday night. They could very well do that, and Darren Ravel could be right. I also am very skeptical of, of Darren Ravel's 
um, right. takes on in, on these matters at this point in his career. Right. And um, it wasn't a source take, it was an opinion take. It was an like opinion yeah. take. And it, the, the Woj tweet kind of, I, I don't know if I agree. Like, I, I don't yeah. know if I can agree right. with the decision on suspending a guy right. who was made an unwise decision but might not have made an illegal decision. And right. this, to me, gets into a very interesting debate on influence versus legality and the NBA is going to clarify some of the things that they value I think in the decision around John Morant yeah I think I mean oh man I feel like again it's like several things but I do think you know that's like so so let's take the just the jaw of the person I mean for me one of the things that's different so I I personally believe this would have been more of a blip obviously without the pattern going before it because on its own, one, it's not Jaws. It's his friend's Instagram live. Uh, you can tell the way the camera does that he – there's almost – I mean, again, I don't know. This is from me watching it, is that there seems to be this sense of they're having fun. And then somebody, whether it was uh, Pack himself or somebody else, realized, uh-oh, we might have just flashed a gun. It was an immediately like taken off and put down like this – Oh no, we made like there was more of this. We made a mistake. Very different than the first one, where his jaw is very meditated, uh, him being very much himself, and him admitting later, like this was him doing something. This felt like more of a sort of a, a friend getting you in trouble a little bit, but also you being unwise and like realize once you realize something, a camera's on you doing things you shouldn't be doing. So there is a little bit more of that. I also would say that so far. Um, all of Jaws' social media stuff is still there. He's not like taking everything down, uh, all that kind of stuff that happened the last time. So who knows with all that? Um, like you said, the other thing is, you know, if if we assume that he's in Tennessee, Tennessee has extremely lax gun laws um, to, you know, not getting into it. Some people are upset about that. Some people are happy about that. But it's pretty much one of the, probably the most lax state gun law wise, maybe us in Texas, Tennessee and Texas. And, and so him having a gun in his car is is not just uh you know legal it's like un- you know fortunately or unfortunately depending on where you're coming from it is normal in the state and i'll say you know and, and i was actually texting with some friends from south carolina who were saying you know we walked out of church we we were at a club some you know somewhere just last night and everybody uh is is carrying like that it's just you know south carolina is a place also where people carry guns it is a normal thing i think that's part of the deal as we talk about the NBA, we talk about the media. That's just a very interesting is that I think for the first time ever, the NBA has a has a superstar, they hope, who is more rural, but also more Southern, but also African-American. And it's a rare combo that's going on. I think that's one thing. But like he is sort of this kind of great American hope. In a, in a field where all the best players in the NBA right now are foreign, Jaw is seen as the face of the league. He's also, by Nike, seen as uh, the first their first like Gen Z signature shoe, Gen Z athlete. And all these things are coming into play when you talk about influence, when you talk about where the NBA is, when you talk about these things. I mean, you know, and this, maybe I'm stepping into some toes, but I mean, you know, what's interesting is like, you know, I guess infamously or whatever, like Chris Kamen just a few years ago, who played for the Mavs, 
Post, who's a Second Amendment advocate, posted a picture of him holding AK-47s, tweeted it out. And, like, besides a few kind of progressive media people being upset about that, nothing. Like, nothing. And uh, and it was, a, you know, he's looking intimidating. Anyway, all that said is nobody cared. But I think Jaw is very different because of his superstardom, because of the pattern. So there's all these things coming into play. And, again, we might not want to get off into all of that talk, but I just think it's very interesting as, you know, that we think about Jaw the person and Jaw thinking through, there seems to be a double standard for me. Hey, I'm somebody who got to where I was because I was me. Like my family and I got us to where we were. And now we have maybe an organization in the Grizzlies, definitely some corporate sponsors, definitely some handlers who are coming and saying, I have to be different. And I could see a 23-year-old, and again, I think this is, at time probably immature pushing back against that why can't i be me and it does seem like i mean i mean interestingly enough a day ago jaw tweeted out about kind of that he was going through some hard stuff i don't know what that means you know again we're being tried to be chair psychologists our chair psychologists here but it's not surprising that the last time he made a big mistake he was going through some hard stuff and uh, and it seems like he's made some unwise decisions again, although I don't know how much of this is by sort of his friends, you know, starting something that he might not have intended. But again, he was dancing. He was excited. He was showing, you know, he was the one holding the gun. So I don't know. But I mean, I know that was a lot like things out there. I just think that it's not as simple uh, as we think it is with all this stuff. And by the way, Jaw's Josh shoe sells out like crazy. Anything Jaw brand sells out like crazy. Despite all the issues, Jaw, I think, had the sixth best jersey the last few months, despite all the, all the issues. And that's, like, only behind the biggest of stars and the biggest of markets. That, like, you know, and so I don't know what Nike's thinking as far as the pause, but it's an interesting deal where it feels like, to me, his mainstream appeal, at least from purchases and other things, has not gone away. I think there's a lot of people disappointed in him. I think there's a lot of people nervous, especially I think locally in Memphis. But it doesn't, you know, I, I would, I, I think the reaction by a lot of the media is, I think they would be shocked how not upset a lot of people are by this. Or like that people are more upset that Jaw might be suspended for a while. They're more upset that Jaw did, that Jaw has this pattern and he's upset teammates possibly and the coaching staff and the management, but I don't, you know, but, but sort of the outrage about the actions, I don't think that it people, I don't think that Twitter and social media and the media are basically, I guess, reflecting what I think most people feel about the situation. I don't know. And again, I'm rambling um, with all, I just threw out a bunch of different stuff, but I think that, that I think I liked your kind of jaw, the person, you know, jaws, the MBA and what he means to the MBA, because it does feel like I said, for a guy like Chris Kamen, who does something like that, who's controversial, um, and actually has politics that are very different, I think, than mainstream NBA politics, nobody cares because it's Chris Kamen. He's a bench guy. Um, but this is a guy that people have put their hope and dreams in, and I feel like because of that, the reaction is harder. And, I, and part of me wonders, like, is a long suspension for something like this fair? Um, would you do that for any other people, with it, for any other players? Um, if they weren't the same, um, and again, I don't know, and it might be the team, you know, we don't know if, the, I feel like the NBA is going to have very, a difficult time 
under the CBA suspending him because this is off season. It's not having anything to do with the team. Um, you know, it's everything's legal. Um, you know, I feel like that, but I, but I also feel like the team and the NBA might get together and come up with something. And like, because it was eight games last time, it's gotta be at least nine games this time, maybe 10. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think the difference is last time it was mid season. I think Ja himself probably was part of the decision making uh, team in that respect, like all, almost taking himself out. Um, and obviously he went to Florida. We do know that. And this time it's happening during the off season, not only during the off season, at the very beginning. Like we've got until October before the Grizzlies are going to play another basketball game. And I think that rushing a decision on this would be a big mistake. Because if I'm Jaws' team, even though it might not be popular, I'm thinking purely from his perspective right now. These are putting my personal feelings on the matter aside. Like, if there was some sort of suspension levied, I would appeal it. And I would try to basically find letter of the law language that shows why you can suspend a player and why not. Obviously, there is some latitude. There's some judgment calls that have to be made. And yes, like this is not, we can probably all agree that this isn't a great look and it's not a great influence, but is influence really the question here? I think the question is, did we, did we actually cross a hard line to which would warrant, because assuming he would be suspended, that would probably impact him financially, depending on what kind of suspension and would be another, I guess you could say, um, factor in what future awards could be, you know, just like all it plays, everything's connected here. And so yeah. I do not think it is an easy decision that the NBA has to make. And if I'm, a, if I'm Ja, I'm also wondering how I would best react to this without, you know, by towing the line. And he might, he might be at a point where at first he was, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, trying to manage it, but he might be at don't apologize, double down territory. We we do not know. I mean, you would think you just would get rid of, just get rid of Instagram or, or make sure you can never go live. You can push that little click across that thing. I don't like that. And again, and, and maybe he did, but his friend, right. you know, did go on. And so I, you know, again, that's part of, we don't know this. Like we don't know that relationship, you know, and it, it's interesting because it's very obvious from uh, the local recording, uh, some different people that I know are around the Memphis Grizzlies organization. It seemed over and over and over again, um, his friend, um, I can never pronounce the first name right, uh, but Devontae Pack, I believe, is that the best I think way? that's how you were D- yeah. yeah. So it is, and it made it almost abundantly clear and going back to him being suspended from FedEx Forum that I believe the organization, I think that people in Grind City Media, I think local media people, uh, they keep saying this coded language of he needs to get better people around him, he has some bad influences. And so I think that is something else to watch because you can tell that was a big – that was an issue between Jaw and between the, the Grizzlies organization and the team. And I feel like that is something that the organization is putting out there to the media – um, about him. I mean, it was just like, like each column, it was like, how many times can we say Devontae Pack's name in the column and not Jaws? Um, it just, it felt almost like PR at some point. 
Uh, and so I think that's another thing sort of to watch. And that's and that might be some of the frustration uh, that Jaw had when he said this kind of bubbling up. But it does – I mean for us, we're like I don't – like just get rid of the stupid – like drive around in a car, wave guns, whatever. You know, not something – you know, like I think we approve of. But like why do you have to put on IG Live? It's the only thing that would get you in this kind of trouble. Yes. I think let's hit on real quick business, the business aspect yeah. of it. I'm pretty cynical when it comes to this. I think that if Jaws shoe keeps selling, Nike's not going to have a problem with him. They're going to say, we're going to get through this. There will be another news story next week. And yes, we'll, be, we'll have to deal with ESPN maybe bringing it up over and over. But if the shoe sells, that's all we care about. I think any product that they're going to have Jaw as the spokesperson or in commercials is going to think that way. And I think as soon as sales actually drop... That's the only way I think right. you're going to see Nike. That's my prediction, and I could be wrong. Yeah. You might be listening to this on Monday and being like, you're an idiot. Nike already said that they're like withdrawing from Jaw, which that yeah. could potentially warrant another big podcast, honestly. And and even then, I think it would be a pause, and I think it would be a short pause. I mean, totally. part, just because of the way the shoes are selling. And, and like I do think, you know, I mean, what's hard is I loved his little Spider-Man commercials, I think, last summer uh, or maybe a summer and a half ago. And that kind of thing. That's that's the sadness. Is I do think that more kid friendly brands are going to probably walk away from Jaw, and that's what he you know that he is he's looking to go a different route in the marketing. But I do think that despite people freaking out, there is where you know like there are other places to be marketed that I think as long as he is still a popular um, athlete, which I think he is, he will find. Yeah, I want to get into the fan aspect of this because I think this I find this the most interesting. Um, to me, when I'm thinking about fandom, and I was trying to unpack my thoughts uh, as it applies to John Morant, like I think that we have three questions that we ask as fans, and it dictates how we think about players. Number one, are they good? That's very skill based. It's are they worth me cheering for them based on how they help. Uh, winning, winning on the court, let's just say, and you know that could also involve you know excitement. What's their style of play? It's all skill based. Are they good enough for me to root for them as an athlete? Number two, do they play for my team? If they play for my team, I am much more likely to love them. Um, but they also have to they have to be good first because if they play for my team and they're not good, it makes me a lot more likely to hate them. Um, and then the third question is, do they have character? And I think it's in that order. And I really do believe that if someone's good and they play for my team, there's a lot that I can look past in terms of character. But but if that starts to be a question and a concern, and then you're not um, you know, you're not answering affirmatively in those first two questions, it's gonna be really, really tough. And this also connects with business because I do think personally, I mean I am wondering how people are going to start thinking about Ja. He used to be the golden child of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think you could see, a, I could foresee a very real change happening as soon as this week on, I really, when I'm thinking about my loyalties to players on the Grizzlies, it's going to be Bane and Jaron that I feel like I'm going gravita- to gravitate to as the leaders of the team. And then for Ja, it's going to be much more dependent upon skill rather than character. And it's kind of like Bane and Jaren have 
potential to check all three of those boxes for a long time. But Ja, Grant, you know, if he plays well enough and he is a winning player and he wins, you're going to see a lot of people that are going to come right back. But are they ever going to basically have him be in this like what I'll I would let's just say like a a three-tooled player where they answer all three of those questions as a fan. Um, and I'm just not sure. I, I think there could be, based on this event, no matter what happens with suspension, no matter what happens from with him from a business perspective, I think fans, you're going to see a big shift in, in where the jerseys are, I think. like I, I really think there could be a big impact from this because it is so loud and there is not much nuance happening right now. It is all piling on jaw. And so I'm um, going to be watching out the Grizzlies fan base to see how they react. Cause right now going back to the very first thing I said, it feels like a punchline right now, which is not good for jaw from a fan perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm probably, you know, I, I famously, drive uh the people close to me my wife and other people crazy and that i love like that i can very easily separate the art from the artist so like i don't care if actors and directors their politics or anything like that i tend to like even a lot of them have done some things that are terrible but i can still sort of it doesn't ruin their like movies they made or their or their music or their songs for me the same way it does for other people and i think that is something like you're saying like the fact that he's a grizzly and that he has a lot of skill that is going to still like, I can say, I love the guy on the court. Um, and I think, and I think there's still a lot of people that are going to see that. I think the hard part of the character is, is that he, you know, like, honestly, like all real, like real humans, uh, you know, in reality, everybody is a mixed bag and the jaw that made a kid cry because he gave him his shoes, the jaw that is at Vegas summer league, hanging out with G league guys just because he can, the guy who's signing autographs for forever. Um, honestly, the guy who was able to sell the Spider-Man movie and, and other things. I mean, that's still jaw too. And I just think there's a lot of conflicting things and that he has weaknesses when it comes to friends and family and loyalty and, uh, and allowing them to put him in bad situations. I think, and, and that's not, I'm not trying to make excuses for him because he does that. But, like, I think he's always going to be that way, uh, maybe. Uh, I also think that, like, I look at some of my favorite players, and Michael Jordan, for instance, I mean, people forget that he had a lot of off-the-court baggage, his first, those first three titles and before then. Um, he kind of cleaned up, he got older. So there is this hope for me with Cha that he, you know, he's not going to be the first person that uh, messes up, says I'm not going to mess up again, and messes up one more time. And, and so there's this sense of as he grows older, he's still just 23. I'm hoping the character will grow and there, there will be redemption, not because his family's wearing stupid hoodies, but that there actually is some of that available um, as he plays. But the other thing is, you know, I mean, sometimes it's like, I love Michael Jordan. Uh, if you watch The Last Dance, if you know anything about him, he was a jerk. Like, I mean, that, you know, and he's not, the, the, the character thing is heavily to be doubted with MJ. Um you know, he's very successful in a lot of areas of life, uh, but his character is something that you can definitely question. But then there's another favorite player like Marcus Gasol, who, again, and I don't know him, I'm sure there's, like you said, somebody out there who's had a terrible deal with Marcus Gasol. 
But he's somebody who you go down the line, love his skill, love his play. He's a grizzly. I love him. And then you find out all these amazing humanitarian things about him. He's the nicest guy in the world. And and that's great. And I, and we all want Ja to be that. But it's looking more and more like he might not be. And I think a lot of the reaction I got today was a sadness and a frustration from people who put Jaw there and are realizing maybe he's not there. Um, at the same time, um, I mean, I think, and I'd like to hear a few more of this, like, he still is a top 10 player. I mean, we just had a podcast being upset that he's a top 10 player who didn't make All-NBA because of the off-court stuff, because media could not separate the art and the artist. And, uh, and so that, and, and yet, like, if you look at the history of the NBA, the history, I mean, top 10 players do not get traded, do not get let go unless they themselves ask, because there's nobody we could trade Jaw for that would be worth getting back that that team would want to trade that player for. Like, that's just, you, when you get to that level, it's just really not going to happen. Um, and so, you know, I mean, and I know, and it's fine, there's people emotional, like, maybe we should trade job, maybe we should sell high. Well, by the way, this isn't selling high at job, you know. Uh, but then, too, it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. If, if Jaw and Grizzlies part ways, which I do not think they will, um, anytime soon, uh, it's going to be because Jaw wants to, I think, because you just can't get, you can't do that. Um, and I don't think they would. And I, and, and I also don't think we're there. You know, I think this is like you were saying, uh, more of la more of a joke than like this. I mean, I know it was a gun and I know we have a lot of stuff going on, but this wasn't some criminal act. This was honestly a young person being dumb and he and like honestly, the consequences are going to come for that. It was very unwise. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it, I would characterize it more as a re reorientation of how we think yeah. about Ja. It's like yeah. he still can be the same player. He can still have the same impact on the floor. But we as fans might not hold him on this pedestal, which he's used that term terminology ironically enough. But I'll, I'll use it now: a pedestal of. This is a franchise player in every aspect. Like, he represents us. He represents Memphis in every way. And I think that's where we might have to just reorient. Like, he could still theoretically make, you know, have the highest career earnings of any Grizzly, and I could see him retire a Grizzly even. But is he ever going to, ha is he ever going to resonate at the same level that he could have if he, let's say, were to have not made a couple of just really dumb errors that, and, and it, I think, too, it's fair to say, if we had a 24-hour live stream of every single one of your favorite players ever, no one, no one would, would come away right. unscathed. It is because this is public-facing, and it's because we actually saw something that probably goes on with most of the guys that we yes. historically have loved in the NBA, unfortunately. Right. And yeah. at the end of the day, the ones that actually do cross lines, the ones that are, let's say, like illegal acts, we hear about them. And those, to me, ha are where the real consequences are. You're seeing a big debate going on right now with how the NBA treated Miles Bridges, for example. Like, look into that case if you want to see yeah. a bad guy. Like, this is not at the level of right. what Ja is right now, even though it feels as though there is this this noise around what it could be. And I just, that's where I, I think we, we, 
I say we, I shouldn't characterize everybody in this bucket, but I am taking sort of a step back and being like, is Ja actually the guy from a franchise standpoint, or are we going to have more of a Bain Jaron led team with Ja as the skill? And I don't know the perfect NBA comp. I'm sure we can come up with it uh, from a team that, you know, maybe was or wasn't successful, but had a similar formula. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just, going to be crazy um to see how how things shake out from here for Ja. yeah i mean i think i mean i you know it's funny i made one of my predictions more just to get a rise out of brantley but about jaron potentially being the guy who surpasses jaw i was not thinking of it becoming becoming off the court stuff but i think you're right in that um there could be a sense in which uh our best player isn't the leader of our team um as far as skill wise and some people would argue Jaron because of defense, offense, defense might have just as much. But but the, and that Bain and Jaron are more the face of the franchise, more the guys we're putting on posters, more the uh, more the leaders, quote unquote, that we count on um, than than Jaw. I mean, that definitely you know could be the case um, for sure. I think the last thing to touch on is just the reaction that we have uh, from a let's say like teammate standpoint. And roster standpoint, like yeah. I think one of the points you brought up, and we were thinking it at the exact same time when you texted it. But Tyus Jones is a contract that has, to me, been like the number one most expendable contract and player on our roster if we're trying to make a a big trade over the offseason, or not even a huge trade, but just one that maybe shores up depth on the wing position. Uh, and now if there is in fact going to be a lengthy suspension, Tyus Jones is all of a sudden important again and way too important in my opinion. And I I don't necessarily like the Grizzlies all of a sudden that decision is made a lot more difficult because the Grizzlies have to decide, is it worth the short term loss of let's say not having a, a veteran point guard to lead while jaw is gone, or is it just worth going ahead, making whatever trade comes to get a, rotation level wing and which we all assume that's what it would be and, and you just cut ties and just say we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with this for however long the suspension yeah. might be so it's just put the Grizzlies in a weird position I think the other part two of this is how are how are the teammates going to respond I mean we've seen them even loyal to a guy like Dylan like on his way out we've seen the Instagram posts we've seen Bain say you know kind words about Dylan on like Stephen A. Smith um, NBA show. And I just, I'm, I'm going to be watching how specifically Bain and Jaron talk about this. Are they, are they frustrated too behind the scenes with having to yet again, deal with something that they felt like they've answered questions about. And uh, do they feel a responsibility for his actions or is that going to cause some sort of internal, conversations and um, potential conflict as well. So that's that's one thing that's just putting more stress on on having to deal with it from a teammate standpoint as well. What do you think about those two things? Yeah, no, I think that's a huge, I think because, uh, you know, we don't, the Grizzlies don't like keeping, ex- you know, uh, contracts that are going to expire. They don't, they don't like keeping those around. Um, I think it would put a lot of pressure to keep Tyus and also Tyus is the kind of player that I think just the way he is, honestly, his disposition, I think would be very difficult to know, to have kind of a lame duck season where he knows I'm, I'm here, 
biding my time until Jaw gets back, and then they're going to be looking to trade me up to the trade deadline. Um, because I think, unlike you know, with the Stillen situation, we're talking about sign and trade, sign and trade. We're going to get in a place where we cannot, we like, we would have to sign and trade Tyus if he. St- I mean, just letting him walk, I think, would be devastating to our cap situation. It just feels like he. Like with expiring contracts going forward, we need to either decide are we trading guys uh, probably before the season, but for sure at the deadline, or are we extending them? It just is going to be sort of in that place. We felt like we were like that with Dylan, um, and then we kind of took a risk with that, and we'll see how that works out. But uh, that, and then, but even then, even if we do cut bait with Tyus, it just means like we have to then put, give a roster spot to somebody who can play point guard. Because what we have right now on the roster, minus Tyus, like we can throw a Kennard, Conchar, Bain, point guard situation out there. We cannot have that be the only situation for 48 minutes. So we would have to then figure out roster spot-wise, cut somebody we probably like to just put in some kind of point guard. Uh, and I, just those kind of things uh, would would just really put a crunch on the roster. And so I do think... Like, that's a big deal if a suspension is 15 to 20 games. I mean, if, if we lose 25% of the season already with Ja, I mean, that's the kind of thing where we're going to have to put a heavy investment into a point guard because that's one-fourth of the season if it's 20 games. I mean, I think that would be extreme, and I think it would be appealed. But uh, but who knows? I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're, we're thinking about. And I do think I do think it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's hard to know. I, my, my guess with the Grizzlies is they're going to put – is all the players going to put a very positive uh, front up? But I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, we got the one thing of, of Stephen Adams calling, sort of calling Jaw out in the locker room. We got that sort of leak from the locker room. But that's about as big of a Grizzlies leak as you will see under the present organization. And, uh, and so I don't know if we'll start to see those more or, or not. Um, but again, I mean, I think the frustration is, is just is for them – it's just dumb. It was just like, why, like, why did you have to put yourself on live like that on IG live? Why did you, you know, and I, I can just see them doing that. And if we look up next playoffs and like, Hey, we're a three seed instead of a two seed or, or instead of even a one seed. And we're, we're playing a game seven on the road. Um, because John missed 15 games because of a suspension. I mean, that's going to be a rough, uh, a rough wake up call for sure. And I think the reality also is, even though we see it in this future, Ja does not yet have the equity built up from like a superstar standpoint where he, he doesn't have the wins in the postseason yet. He has moments. He does not have the resume, I think, to right. fully withstand what would be, let's just say, like a third strike, because I consider this to be maybe strike two. But like right. a third strike, like I don't know if he's at that level quite yet and I think if the team didn't feel like they had all the leverage back in March I think they probably feel like they have a lot more leverage um which which I think showed by the immediate the immediate uh suspension indefinite suspension we're investigating like did not take time and it was very kind of short to the point and that kind of showed um and again and it might come out that like the punishment doesn't fit that sort of tone, but uh, but they definitely made quick and swift actions. Yep. And so it's now I guess waiting wait and see on that. But it definitely makes I think uh, it just makes what was already a very complicated off season 
roster wise, uh, much more like I just think it just adds an extra layer of of now teams know we need a point guard, or at least they're going to be thinking they that we need one, um, and I and I think that makes it harder. Well, to summarize and close out, uh, some things about this situation to me seem very cut and dry, i.e. the foolishness of it, but a lot of other things do not seem so cut and dry. And despite what you might see online, I think there is there is more nuance than meets the eye in this situation, and we will be revisiting it as the news actually comes out. We wanted to make sure and at least react tonight for you guys to give a sense of where we stand. I also uh, talked to Brantley and Ty this morning about it, and they feel very similarly just about the foolishness uh, of Ja uh, in this moment. And I'm sure that they will also um, share their thoughts next time we all get together. But um, Kraft, thanks for jumping on. Uh, We wish, of course, in these emergency podcasts we had something better to talk about but here we are and, <laughs> and, and like you know and I know we threw out some random thoughts that might not have been finished and uh, and maybe yeah, more, more things to talk about this summer because it is like like you said nuanced and there's just a lot of things outside of just the particular jaw situation that just make this a very strange uh, viral thing that it you know and, and maybe part of the problem is jaw still doesn't realize just the power an influence he actually does have that he makes news like crazy when he does something like this. So truly, but well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We will be back with you, uh, in another episode soon. We have officially a final four in the conference finals. We will be watching closely to see what happens. I'm on the record as cheering for the nuggets overall. Let's get a nuggets victory. It's a, another homegrown, situation uh smart front office great coach love Jokic. so that's where i'm planting my flag and um i'm i'm cheering on the nuggets for the next couple of weeks i'm just glad the process curse is still alive and that no team who is uh who is tanked blatantly has won so that's that's my own my own sort of uh pettiness also shout out steve kerr and the warriors hope you all enjoy your off season and we'll be looking ahead to 2024 All right, we've rambled long enough. For Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We will talk to you later.